All right, we start this recorder. I'm not sure why we still record. Uh, since we do Facebook Live. All right. All right, so everyone has a handout. And you'd know, like to say, Steve, uh, Pastor Steve had to work today. So uh, he asked me to fill in, and, you know, I'm always, always honored to step in his uh, shoes here for a bit. Let me uh, just make sure there's no questions or any kind of... Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, we're good. Kind of a one-man show up here. <laughs> Those guys that do the drum and everything. It's loud. I'm not sure where the outlets are. If there's one close by you, we could just turn it on. I mean, Pam's hot too, so we can spread the love. I, I survived. I can roll up my sleeves. Let's try it here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We can try it there. And I'm gonna get me a drinky. All right. Oh yeah. I can't feel it yet, but I know it's coming. Make sure these kids I've already got my winter coat on. All right, well, one thing I did bring, as my custom is, candy bars. Candy bars. I have, I think, six-pack. So first I thought, you know, Steve is doing an awesome job taking us through the book of Jeremiah. We're up to about chapter, I think, 18 will be next week. So I thought, let's do a little bit of review about what Steve's taught us so far. So, put your Jeremiah thinking caps on. And for those of you guys that haven't been here, you're at a little disadvantage, but you might know some of these anyway. Alright, one of the things I think is interesting with Jeremiah, that Steve pointed out, all the Old Testament prophets, you know, Isaiah, all these guys, God asked him to do something weird. You know, Hosea, he told to go preach naked. Uh, Hosea, he told to go marry a prostitute. You know, uh, Ezekiel did all kinds of weird stuff. All these guys did weird stuff. God told them to do weird stuff. What did God tell Jeremiah to do? Not to marry. Not to marry. Good job, Pam. Yeah, see, all right. He told Jeremiah, don't get married. You know, stay single, be a man on the move, because you know bad things were coming to Jerusalem, and it'd be best if he wasn't tied down with a family. So, all right. Speaking of Jerusalem, Steve's taught us every week how there's a bad king coming to to take Jerusalem. Who is that bad king that's coming that that Jeremiah is all about? King from the north. Sennacherib? That's, that's close. That He took Israel about 150 years earlier. It starts with an N. Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar is at their back door in the book of Jeremiah, getting ready to break it down. And uh, every, every chapter really is about you know, your impending doom. All right, next question. Jeremiah wrote two books in our Bible. What are the two books? One is Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, one's Jeremiah. The other book Jeremiah wrote. It's a companion book or Lamentations. Lamentations. Who said that? Oh, here you go, Pam. Because I got to get rid of these candy bars. If I take them home, I'll eat them. I've already got the COVID uh, weight coming here. Because you know, I haven't taught here in like a couple months and. I have a whole stack of candy bars in my office, and man, they're just, like this morning I went, there's only like one pack, so I don't know where they've all went. Uh-huh. Actually, I do know where they've all went. I'm pointing at the camera here, my wife. Oh. Actually, no, she should, no. She's ate maybe one or two. I've ate probably four. Yeah, I got to back up, because I got to go home today. It was probably, it was probably Chris Cohen. Chris, notorious. Yeah. All right, now this one's a hard one. I even debated on asking this, but it's, it's kind of a theme of Jeremiah that we it's good to know alright Jeremiah is writing to Jerusalem 
and he's really hammering them. He's calling them that they are a blank people that needs that they need to repent or they need to turn around. And it's a word. You are a people that he's and that God God's chastising them, saying, You guys are out there doing whatever you want to do, but you say you you're my you're a Christian. You say you're a believer, but you're out there doing whatever you want to do. You are a starts with a B. Backslidden. That's where we get the word backslidden. It, it, well, I mean, not where we get it, but Jeremiah uses that word. Uh, I forgot what Steve said. I think it shows up like eight or nine times. Uh, Jeremiah is written, and that's one reason Steve chose the book. It's a really good book for today that you've got in the book of Jeremiah is about God's people that are goofing around, not doing what they should be doing. God calls them backslidden, and because of that, you know, judgment's coming to you. So it's a good book for today. So got three candy bars left. Uh... You guys want these for Amy? Because I always give Amy one. So, right there. There you go. That way I don't take any home. Alright, so, now we'll start in with today. Whenever Steve asked me to uh, fill in for him, you know, a lot of times I'll, you know, I teach on things that are kind of heavy, I feel. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've done series on Babylon and, and different things, so... What I thought I'd do today is, um, we're going to be in Second Peter here, is just to talk about, I was just going to share kind of my heart, um, some of the struggles I have, I guess. I mean, we, we have just come through the, the epic year of COVID. I mean, all this, it's just been awful, and some more than others. It's been a year of, uh, for me personally, you know, fearful uh, my job is always in question. Uh, you know, no one wants to get sick. You know, you got people dying around us. It's just, it's been a fearful year. And uh, and through the year, you know, whenever I go to my Bible, and I, I'm sure you guys are the same. Actually, I'll ask everyone here in a second. You know, the Bible. I've heard preachers say the Bible's like a medicine cabinet. You know, you can go, whatever ails you in life, you can go to the Bible and you can find a passage or a story that specifically fits that ailment. You know, Jesus is called the balm of Gilead that soothes our pain. So whether it's the book of Psalms or or whatever book, there's some passage in the Bible that will, you know, kind of uniquely comfort you. And for me, this past year, uh, that's been the Second Peter chapter one. I love this this passage. It actually feels funny to be talking about it with you guys because I feel like this is my personal passage, uh, even though you know, of course, it's not. Uh, does Does anyone want to share any passages that that are especially comforting to you over this year, Heather? You got some. <laughs> Well, my favorite one is just like the first one, let there be light. Yeah, let there be light. Yes, exactly. He is light. Yeah, there's so many good comforting words in our Bible. Um, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, yeah, Lord's my shepherd, going through the valley of darkness, mm-hmm. the shadow of the valley of death. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Yes. That's, a good one. That's Sherry's. 1 mm-hmm. uh, Timothy about whenever we're fearful. Yeah. yeah. God's not given us a spirit of fear, and that's exactly what I fear. There, there are mornings this week, or not this week, this year, that I've woke up fearful. I've woke up, I don't feel saved. You know, I, I just admit that. There's a lot of times I wake up and I, I don't feel like Bible Jim. I don't. I feel miserable. I'm worried about stuff. Especially with the news. If you turn the news on, it. it, it yeah, the, the news is depressing. Everyone's afraid. Actually, you know that reminds me. This is off subject. I was reading the Wall Street Journal. I like to read the news in that sometimes. And it was this week, and I was preparing this lesson. And I just happened to read it in the Wall Street Journal, and I thought, wow, that's, that goes with what I'm feeling. Because Americans are so stressed right now, you know, we as a society, we're, just, we're all stressed. 
that big companies recognize the stress and they're actually changing their products and marketing to like help us not be as stressful. And when I seen that article, I thought, well, that's weird. How, how would they do that? So I was reading about like car manufacturers, you know, the lice, the the uh, seatbelt dinger that starts going off, you know, you know, it's like dang, dang, dang. Well, they're going to make kinder, gentler, softer ding. <laughs> so we, we're not, we're already stressed. And uh, 3M, the post-its, you know, they're going to make mellow colors on the post-its, you know, just... No more neon. Yeah, yeah, no more bright, because we're all so stressed. And I just thought, wow, that's that's exactly the way I've felt this year. So, um, one of my go-to passages is in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go through this here in a second. Um, but one of the things that is the reason that's comforting, one of the reasons that's comforting to me is like uh, the background of the book, who wrote it, why he wrote it, things like that. So I, I wanted to start there first and just talk about the book Second Peter as a, as a big picture. It's always good to have a context of what we're reading in Scripture. So in our handout, it's called Remember the Promises. And that's exactly what this first chapter is about. God has made us some amazing promises that we forget about. Uh, the tagline is time to get growing. So, Second Peter. Point A, of course it was written by Simon Peter around 68 AD, right before he died. This is the last book that Peter wrote. You know, we call that the swan song, the last, you know, big thing that someone does. So... Peter's getting ready to die. He actually knows he's getting ready to die, and he writes this last book to the believers. And we'll, we'll talk about more of that in a second. Now, the theme of this book, 2 Peter, is, is Peter's wanting us to know that God has given us everything we need to live a God-honoring life in every circumstance you can possibly face. And he goes through different circumstances in his book. Who's it written to? And we'll... It's in the first verse here, but this book, Second Peter, is, is written to believers. It's it's written to those that know Christ, and it's an it's a book to encourage them because they need encouragement, and that's right where we are today. We're all believers here. I think I know pretty much everybody. We, we all have trusted Christ as our Savior. We all need encouragement. Second Peter is our, is our book. All right, why was it written? Like I said, Peter knew his time is short, on earth is short. He's actually in prison when he writes this book. Uh, Nero's got him. Roman persecution's ramping up. You know, you guys have seen the gladiators and the lions and all that's going on. And he writes this book to remind believers of three things. And the book remind or the word remind or remembrance shows up four or five times in this book. He keeps telling these believers, I'm reminding you of this. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you. You've heard this before. And everything I'm going to talk about this morning, I'm sure we've all heard before. I'm not saying anything new. I'm just reminding you and me, especially me, of the truths that that he wants us to know. So, um, Peter's reminding these believers that point number one, there's much more available to those in Christ than just salvation. Um, It's awesome to be saved, of course. I mean, we have a home in heaven, but there are so, so much more available to us above that. And that's what Peter goes through. And then he talks about counterfeit Christians and point number three, that Jesus is coming back, but we're not really going to get into those. So that's first page. Second page, just some more interesting facts about Peter himself. And this will make more sense as we get going through the passage. Well, I've got to cook, man. It's getting late. All right. You may remember point number one that we're first introduced to this guy named Simon Barjona. Simon, the son of Jonah. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and later Jesus changed his name to Peter. And uh, 
Simon means someone who hears, and then Peter, of course, means rock. So we always think of Peter as the rock, because that's what Jesus you know, changed his name to. But here's what's interesting, and this is what I love about Second Peter, and we'll get into this in a little bit too. Sometimes Jesus called him Simon, same as some of the other disciples, John and the others. Sometimes they called him Simon. Well, sometimes they called him Peter. Simon was his birth name, his Greek Hellenized birth name, and then Peter was the name Jesus gave him. They called him Simon when he was acting fleshy, um, like I do a lot, not in the spirit. But then they called him Peter when he was being a man of God and, and doing well. And it is so interesting reading through the Gospels and seeing how Jesus will call him, kind of flip around. And it'll give you an indication where he's at. And and I think that is so cool because that is me. I have a Simon in me and then Peter. Sometimes I'm a man of God, but then sometimes I'm not. And so I I really identify with Peter in that respect. And, And the other gospel writers do the same. Point number two, we know that Peter is kind of the de facto leader of the 12 disciples. Peter's always listed first. And those, those are some of the listings. They're listed four times. Uh, Matthew even calls him the first. Peter is the first. So Peter's the guy. Peter's name is mentioned more than any other person, really, other than Jesus in the Gospels. Peter was the bold guy that was, uh, he asked the hard questions. You know, what's this mean? How many times do I have to forgive that guy? You know, we've all forsaken things. What am I going to get out of it? I mean, you can tell when he's acting like Simon by these questions and when he's acting like like Peter. So it's kind of neat to look at. But he was always there to ask the hard questions. Uh, Jesus stayed at his house when he was in North Capernaum. Steve's actually been there. And Pastor Steve went over to Israel last year. and He got to stay in Peter's house too, probably. <laughs> Uh, Peter is the guy that denied Christ. You know, we all know the story on the night of the, he was beaten, that Jesus was beaten, that Peter denied him out by the fire. He was acting like a Simon. All right. Uh, but after Jesus resurrected, it's interesting that he first appeared to Peter. So even though Peter denied him, that's the first guy that Jesus went to. I think that's pretty sweet. Peter... After Jesus went back to heaven in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter delivers this, this awesome sermon kind of telling about Jesus was the Messiah and really becomes a leader in the church. And through the rest of the book of Acts, he's never called Simon again. He finally gets it. And he's Peter. So that's, that's pretty cool. Peter was Mark's father in the Lord. You know, kind of like we had Paul-Timothy relationship. Peter and Mark were always together, so it's believed that the Gospel of Mark is actually just Peter's version, because Mark actually wasn't there for any of that stuff. Alright, then point number 10, Peter's crucified. Uh, Paul was beheaded because he was a Roman, but Peter was crucified. Alright, so that's kind of a little bit about our man Peter. Next page. I just threw in my little timeline because I already had it. That's, that's a timeline of Peter's life. Starts out as a fisherman named Simon. <coughs> hangs out with Jesus for three years. Jesus changes the name to Peter. Peter becomes a leader in the church of Jerusalem, and he's, later he's killed. Now notice, toward the end there, we'll talk about it here in a second. He wrote first Peter when he was still a free man, doing his thing, church ministry, um, and then about five years later, he wrote Second Peter, which is what we're going to look at today. So there is a difference in those two books. He's a free man doing his thing, First Peter. Second Peter, he's in prison getting ready to die. And the tone is reflected in those two books. So, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. All right, so then at the bottom of that, I got... I found that little picture of Jimmy's Choice. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was even a bearded dude. I thought, wow, I don't have to use that. That's Al Gore's internet. I got that one. All right, so this, and what I'm going to talk about now is why this first, this passage here, this this first chapter of Second Peter is my go-to passage when I'm feeling down. 
and I'm trying to think of a way to, I like drawing pictures, you can tell, a way of, of describing, you know, like when I wake up in the morning sometimes, I, you know, I feel like I'm stuck here, you know, I'm, I don't feel saved, I'm, I'm kind of down, I'm worrying about stuff, I'm fearful, uh, I'm in a rut, you know, I have all the feel. we all have these same feelings, and I have regrets, things that I have and haven't done in my life. And that's where I'm at here today. But, but I don't want to be here. I want to be there. So I drew, I want to be saved and close to God. You know, I want to know God more. I want to be thankful. Sometimes I'm unthankful. You know, we're very spoiled as Americans. I want to be full of hope. You know, I want to know that things are going to be fine. Even though God says they are, I just want to, want to know it. I want to be confident, secure in Christ. I want to be peaceful. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the big things that Peter wants us to have is peace. And we'll, we'll touch on that when we get there. But these are all things I want to be. I want to be fruitful. I want to grow in Christ. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. You know, so when I'm sitting there in the morning and I think these things, I want to be there. I, I love this passage that we're going to read because this helps me get there. And this is kind of God's growth plan on how we can all get there. So, let's read the passage. Let me get a drinky. Uh, let's all go to Second Peter chapter 1. Any questions yet? Uh, anything? Hopefully this resonates. Hopefully I'm not the only one that wakes up in the morning feeling down. All right, we got oh, Sarah Woolsey's on. Michelle Horton. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I got a few people on. Cool. Did we run out of handouts? I don't think I did. I only had 12 or something. All right. Um, I never know the best way to do it. I think I'm just going to read the entire passage. No comments. I'm just, going to, I mean, I'm just going to read it. And then I'll go through and pick it apart. All right, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained, have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Peace and grace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. There it is. He's getting ready to die. Love that passage. It's a mouthful. I mean, Peter... It's funny because Peter, at the end, it's one of his books. I think it's this book. Peter talks about how Paul's writing is hard to understand sometimes. Well, Peter's is too, in my opinion. That's kind of like, it can be kind of tough to, to get through. So we're going to kind of wade through this carefully here. So let's, let's look at verse 1. Okay, and again, this is a, I like what he says in verse 
for 13. Uh, okay, no, verse 12. He's telling these believers, I'm not going to be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. We all know everything I'm getting ready to kind of talk about here, but it's just we all have to be remembered. That's actually one of our infirmities in life is that we forget things. That's Paul told Timothy that we as humans are forgetful. God will bless us one day, and then the next day it's like, well, what are you going to do for me today, Lord? We just forget about it. So uh, that's why I like this chapter here. It reminds me of, of this. So all right, first, verse 1. Simon Peter... That's how he opens his book. Now look over at 1 Peter. Just flip over a few. 1 Peter. See how he opens this book. This is when he's a free man doing his thing. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered around. So in 1 Peter, he's like, I'm Peter. I'm the apostle. You know, he's like got a big P on his chest to me and he, he gives them this information in 1 Peter but then in 2 Peter he calls himself Simon Peter a servant and I just whenever I'm down and I read this and I look at that and think wow you know Peter is telling us he's acknowledging his old self with his new self and he's, he's acknowledging that he's a servant first, not an apostle. I mean, we're all apostle. Apostle is someone that's sent out to, to tell a message. Well, Peter now has recognized toward the end of his life that he's a servant. We're all to be servants first. Even though we have this old nature, he's still Simon, but he's also Peter, and he's a servant. So I think that is cool. That really that gets me going right out of the gate. Because I feel the same way. I, yeah, I, I have my old. We all have our old ways that we have to wrestle with every day, and so Peter does too. All right, so Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained that have obtained like precious faith with us through the knowledge, or through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. All right. Trying to think how to word this. Faith is something that we can. I mean, we all have saving faith that gets us going, like that gets us saved. But once we get saved, God will give us more faith, and we obtain more faith as we trust in Him. And one of the ways we get faith is that word through. We, we have obtained the like precious faith with us through. Okay, that, we don't use that word in that context much, but if we look up the word through, 1828 Webster, it's by means of. That's kind of the way we use this word. So we are getting faith by means of the righteousness of God, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we know that's where we get our faith. All right, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, through, you know, by means of, the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. All right, so grace and peace are probably the two greatest things that we can have. You know, we can have money, fame, fortune, all that stuff. We all want the grace of God, and we all want the peace of God. I mean, that's, that's what we want. That's what we need. And that's what I need some days when I'm reading this. Well, how do I get it? Through, by means of, the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the key. We get the grace of God and the peace of God by knowing God. By knowing God more and more, He will multiply His grace and peace in our life. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing here. Alright, according as His divine power hath given unto us... All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Oh, just, that, that verse is just cool. His divine power has given to us, the, the Holy Spirit of God has given to every one of us in this room, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have everything at our disposal if we just would use it. 
Alright, so how, then how do we get it? It's through, by means of, the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. So, how do we get this life of godliness, all these good things? We get it by knowing God. He's hammering in that we get all this stuff by drawing close and knowing God. And God that has called us to glory and virtue. Glory and virtue, he has called all of us to. Glory is our future state. It's kind of a future and now. Someday we'll all have glorified bodies and live with him in heaven. He's called us to glory. Virtue is godly living right here on earth. It's our present state. He wants all of us to be virtuous while here on earth. And that's done through knowing him. All right, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's telling us, and this is just, it's hard to wrap my head around sometimes, that, that me as a believer, I can have the very nature of God in my life, all of God's good traits in my life, and he wants me to have those things. I just have to do the work to get to know him and to let him work out those things in my life. It's like balls in my court. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Alright, so just shows the greatness. And then verse 5. And besides this, and I like the I like the way that's phrased because it's like We've been saved. We've escaped the corruption. God, God saved us. And that's awesome in itself. But on top of that, he also wants so much more for us. Uh, giving all diligence. You know, He's going to go through some traits here. And the thing that strikes me, and I think I was telling Pam earlier, I like studying other religions. I've read the Quran. I've read the Jehovah Witness. I work with Hindus, Buddhists. I'm, you know, I'm familiar with all that stuff. And God in those other religions is not a loving God like He is with us. I mean, you know, if you're a Hindu, you can evolve and be with God, but God doesn't want to nurture you. Like in the Quran, love is not in the Quran. God doesn't really love people. You know, they follow God, and they have God has all these laws that they follow, the Sharia law stuff. But God doesn't love them. And what Peter's telling us is that God loves you and me. He saved us, which is enough. But He wants so much more for us, and He's He's given us the tools, and that's what we're going to talk about here to make us into something so much more than what we can imagine. And I just think that is so sweet that that God loves us that much. Uh, yeah, he saved us. And that's awesome. But there's a lot more for us. And, and the thing that's sad is we don't take him up on it. Yeah, I was telling Pam, uh, you know, I got woke up this morning. A, a guy is in jail again. That I've been working with for years. And he, I believe he's. A, I think he's a believer. He's saved, but he's not taking up God and like like taking God at His promises and putting them in his life. And he's just like floundering. Yeah, he's going to be saved, but um, he he doesn't have the peace and grace of God in his life that that God wants him to have. So I'll leave that. So. Alright, so verse 5, besides all this, so this is how we get, work some of this out in our life. Add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. He gives us a fast list of seven character traits that, that God wants us to build into our life to get to know him better. And then we'll be fruitful. All right, so it, there's a lot of things here on the table that, that can be unpacked here. Um, I think when I'm going to unpack it. I'm gonna, I'll do that later. All right, so let's just move on. So those are the traits he wants us to have. And then verse 8. For if these things be in you, what things? The traits, the, all that cool stuff we just talked about. And abound... 
You know, I mean, they control you. You are controlled by these seven godly virtues. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in Galatians 5, we have the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, suffering, things like that. Those are works of the Holy Spirit that are actually byproducts. Let me see how I can say this. Let's take joy. Joy is an easy one to understand. Joy is not an emotion that I'm going to wake up today, you know, I'm going to have joy today. I'm going to be truly joyous. That don't happen because joy is not an emotion. You know, like being scared or something. That's an emotion. Joy is a byproduct. It occurs when we are happy, I guess. When we're close to the Lord, we have joy. The fruits of the Spirit that Paul covers are byproducts of a relationship with God. But these seven traits that Peter covers are things that we can actually do, that we do. So the correlation is when we do the things in Second Peter, we will be fruitful and produce the things in Galatians. You know, so if we look back at the list, virtue. Actually, I think I can put them all on your page in your handout. Yeah, I did. Okay, let's just look at that. On your handout. I think it's page three, maybe? Four. Four. Virtue. God says, you should be good. What's that look like in my life? Voluntarily obeying God. Doing what God says. That is something we actually do. God says, read his word. God says, pray. God says, go to church. Knowledge. Knowing what the Bible says and doing what it says. You know, again, the ability to make decisions based on God's Word. If if you don't know what God's Word says, you can't make the right decision. So you'll just you'll go off the rails. Temperance, having self-control. We can all exercise self-control. Sometimes it's hard, like. When I'm at Golden Crowd or something, but uh, you know that. But that's something I can do. I exercise temperance, patience. You know, that's how God grows our faith. Enduring trials without grumbling. I've talked about my road rage before. You know, that's one one area that I try to have patience before I run someone off the road. I think. You know, Second Peter says I need to have patience here, so I'm going to have patience. That's something I control. And then godliness, being like God, having, uh, you know, making right decisions. That's something we do. Kindness, I can choose to be kind or not. And then charity, seeking the highest good for others. These are all things that we can choose. And, and then like verse 8 says, if we choose these things and they be in you and they abound, they control you, you won't be barren or unfruitful. And what I like too, and that's one of the reasons I drew, whenever I drew this little picture at the top of that page, sometimes people draw these as steps, and I've actually drawn them as steps before, like you know, virtue, knowledge, you know, we climb this, the ladder of, of goodness to, to charity. But really, they should all be in our lives all the time. It ain't like Golden Corral where I can choose to be virtuous, but I don't like to be patient. Uh, I can be kind, but I'm not going to have self-control. We don't pick and choose these. What Peter's saying in verse 8, or uh, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you won't be barren or unfruitful. So we should all have these things. But then verse 9, and this is where most of us are. I know this is where I am a lot of times. He that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And this is the state I get in. When I start getting away from God, you know, in past years I had seasons in my life where I quit going to church, quit reading, just goofing around doing my thing. I became verse 9 here. I lacked those things in my life. I couldn't see afar off. I was blind and I had forgotten that I was saved, that I, that Jesus what Jesus has done for me. 
I, I don't know if anyone else here has struggled, but I used to struggle with my own salvation. Am I really saved? Did I really get saved that day? I don't feel saved. You know, am I saved? There was no, you know, lightning bolt moment whenever I, I got on my knee and asked the Lord in my heart. And then I, I wrestled with that all the time. I did all these gimmicks and different things to try to, like, nail down that I'm saved. But what I found over the years, and this is where I'm at now, when I'm close to the Lord and doing these things that he's talking about, I'm sure of my salvation. God's in my heart, and he's close to me, and I'm close to him, and I don't struggle with that. If, if I quit coming, you guys see me out at Walmart on Sunday mornings, I'm doing my own thing, and in a matter of time, I'm going to be depressed again, doubting my salvation. And we see a lot of folks show up, you know, in our meetings that, that are in kind of that state. So we've got to stay close to the Lord. And that's, that'll keep us from having this vision problem. All right. So then verse 10. I've got to cook. Uh, that's kind of verse 10. That's what I'm talking about. Make, make your, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. You need to make sure you're saved. Once you're saved, you know, do these things and you'll, it'll make your election sure. All right. Verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that's also a mouthful. So what's that saying? What's that referring to? We all know there will be a day when every one of us will stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ at our performance review. What did you do with what you had when you were on earth? And that's extremely sobering. I mean, the Bible calls it the terror of the Lord. Paul talks about it many times. So what this this indicating here is some people are going to have an abundant entrance into heaven to stand before the Lord, and some won't. I want an abundant entrance. I don't know what that means. You know, I think of like a Roman general coming in from conquering. You know, everybody's on their feet clapping. That's an abundant entrance. Versus, you know, some guy sneaking in the back door. We'll all be in heaven. Paul, Paul even described it this way, that when we all get to heaven and stand before the Lord, some are going to have all kinds of rewards and crowns. It's going to be awesome. It's abundant. Some of us barely make it in. You know, We're saved just by the seat of our pants because we did ask the Lord to save us. We're there, but we didn't do anything with it. That's what Peter's really saying here. Take advantage of what you got. You're going to have an abundant interest when you get to heaven. Uh... I'll leave that there. Verse 12, then he says again, I'm telling you these things. These are not new things. You need to all remember them because I'm getting ready to die. Uh, All right, so that's kind of that. So now, so that's kind of what this chapter says to me is, Jim, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, I saved you out of that. And yeah, you're, you're you're a Simon. You can be a real goof. However, I haven't just saved you. I've got this abundant life that I want you to live. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be depressed. I don't want you to I want you to have these qualities in your life. And when you have these qualities, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to matter to people. I mean, we we don't want to live a life of regrets where we don't We all want to leave a legacy. This is one way of doing that. You'll matter to people. You know, I'm thinking of Jim Boyette. He led a, a, a these things were abundant in Jim Boyette. He's one of our pastors that just passed. He lived Second Peter chapter one. He had an abundant entrance into heaven. He had an abundant memorial service here. He is an example to me of of a life doing this. So that's that. It always encourages me when I read this chapter. So then. Next page on the handout. I got to cook through this. Three things we should remember about God's growth program that, that I just we just talked about. I put, don't be this guy. I don't know if you can make it out on the picture, but this is one of those strong men guys that can pull an airplane with a rope. When we're Christians, a lot of times this is me. I'm trying to pull an airplane with a rope. I'm trying to do God's work. I'm trying to put. I'm trying to be godly man. And it's like this strong man pulling a plane with a rope. Yeah, he can move it, but it ain't gonna fly. 
you know, and so I can do things in my flesh. I'm a talented guy. I know computers, and I can do stuff, and I can make these things, but I'm not going to fly as a believer and, and, and do everything God wants me to do unless I'm doing it His way. And God's given me everything I need. Um, speaking of that, everything I need, it, it, it reminds me of a story I heard, I think it was probably Chuck Swindoll, because I like Chuck. Uh, you can take a guy, okay, I'll say me, let's just pick on me, you can give me a tractor, you can give me bags of seed, you can give me a farm, and you can tell me to go be a farmer, you know, like Emmett here. And I'm not, I, and if I don't do it, I, I can choose to do it. See, it's like God has given all of us the tools to be, you know, great. It's up to us to choose. So it's up to me if I want to choose to use the tractor and the seed and the farmland. Most people don't. A lot of people just get saved. They, they pass on all the other things God wants them to do. They make it to heaven. But they didn't become all they could have been that God wanted them to be. God does not want us to fail. He's on our side. I mean, he loves us. He wants us to be all we can be in him. And he's given us everything to make that happen. So, that's why I put that. God's on your side. He loves you. Next one, back page. That's kind of what I said. We can choose to grow up or just grow old. And I found another picture of a bearded baby. You know, like Benjamin Buttons. You know, I'm, uh, I'm almost 60. And uh, I've been saved about 30 years. And I, I like to think I've grown up. Maybe I'm a 30-year-old Christian on the inside. But there are some people, and I know the other churches I've been at, Maybe a guy got saved when he's 18 or 19, but now he's 50, 60 years old, and he's still a baby because he has not grown. He has not done these things that Second Peter's talking about. He hasn't tried to clean up anything. He doesn't draw close to the Lord. He doesn't know anything about the Lord. He doesn't know anything about his Bible. You know, he's 50 years old or whatever, but he's a spiritual baby. He grew old, but he didn't grow up. So that's why I like that picture there. That's a bearded baby. And then point number three, that's what I was talking about. All of us go to heaven. Some are more abundant. That's something that I take out of here. We're all going to stand before the Lord someday. And uh, what did you do with what I gave you when you were on earth? Will be like a question he'll ask. And that's just so scary. Because he's given all of us a lot. I mean, I just talked about all the stuff he gave us. He gave us all the tools to become totally successful. So the teaching point, I got to have Pastor Steve. I like that. The teaching point of this lesson, it's never too late to start growing, no matter where you are in life, no matter how old you are. It's never too late. You can start today. Don't be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed. You know, God loves all of us. And he has an awesome plan for all of us. He's given us everything we need to take, take advantage of that plan. And so, and then I put at the bottom, this is my favorite tagline. I, I use it all the time. People say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And God always impressed on me when I was a young Christian. Just be obedient to what you know today. And then God will show you the next step. So what do we know today? We all know we should read our Bibles. We all know we should pray. We all know we should go to church. So if a person just starts doing that, man, it'll just start coming. God will start showing you stuff. Ask him to show you stuff. Many times I've prayed, Lord, just show me what to do. Show me what you want me to do. Show me stuff. And I promise you, guarantee you he'll do it. So, that's what I get out of Second Peter. Whenever I'm feeling down, Saturday morning, rainy morning, I read Second Peter. By the end of that passage, I'm ready to go. It's good stuff. Any questions? All right, good deal. Um, before yes. you break, yes. uh, Sherry said to tell you that Carol Novak was diagnosed with stage 3 kidney disease. Oh, no. I think she wrote it on there on the thing, but I didn't see it. Um, because I was All right. Oh, no, Steve's on.
So she just asked for prayer for that because she said she's been pretty down. Okay. Well, that's sad. Yeah, Carol. You prayed for her help already. Yeah, Carol. uh, Some of you may not know Carol. She actually, uh, I don't know, Heather, Marcy, you guys might. She was in life issues for a while uh, with her daughter, Deborah. So, but Carol's faithful. She joins us every week. Um, Just a great lady. She has a good ministry. promoting the Lord on Facebook so she always tunes in so we kind of consider her our virtual member of the class so sounds like she's got some kidney issues going on so all right so let me pray I'm going to get out early so we can get out early here Lord I do thank you for your word again and just thank you for the chance to study it and just uh, that it is so encouraging that you love us so much that uh, you just don't want us to stay in the state we're in. You always want us to be growing and, and going forward, Lord. And uh, I want to again lift up Carol, that uh, the health issues she has. Just pray for our sister in Christ, that you touch her body, be with the doctors that uh, work with her. Uh, pray that we could uh, just remember her in prayer this week, Lord, as she goes about her business with the doctors and such. And, and just thank you again for the chance to meet. We thank you for the baptism this morning, our little Cameron. Uh, thank you for the, the service we're about to hear. And just pray you'd bless our, our hearts, Lord, and encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Oh, my, I got tangled up. Oh, thanks. I'll do what I can. He's um, like a dancing monkey. I don't yeah, it's bummer, Steve. I got to work next Saturday. He didn't work. Yeah, he doesn't love it, but it's only a couple times a year. Yeah, that's good. I know. Do you want me to take that for you and label everything? Well, I can. If you don't care, yeah. I don't I'll just label it. Uh, yeah, I just need to remember the promises. Uh, remember the promises. Had to work a little bit yesterday. I don't know much. Yeah, so I don't know why we still do this. Um, I'm sure there are probably people who I don't know. We'll go back home tomorrow. Yeah. All right, thanks, Chuck.